0: When I, was drift, when I was drifting when I was out and sin, out in sin. I had no peace I had no peace no joy with no joy within. but Jesus came but Jesus came and made, glad, and made me glad the dearest friend, the dearest friend I, I ever had I think God is taking care of this planet I think we have uh, we have seen major weather changes throughout history and it's been recorded in the Bible. So it's not just now that we're seeing some climate, you know, maybe some glaciers receding some and all this other. In the last 40 years, in, in where we live right here, the ocean has risen one quarter of an inch. I think we can live with that, um, at least in, in your lifetime. Acts chapter 11, verse 28, Paul and Barnabas at Antioch. It says, and they stood. there stood up one of them named Agabus, and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. There has always been worldwide climate change. There has always been. Far as I can tell and far as I can study, there always has been fluctuation in our climate. Now, I prepared this before I knew about Irma. This was already done. But it's interesting, since Irma came and since the rain in Houston, the climate change people are going nuts. They're basically using these two things as proof that we are having, we are in danger of life. And I have a cousin who was raised in a fundamental independent Bible-believing home that now is an agnostic. He did not believe the Bible. And uh, he told me, he says, you better get out of Florida because in another 10 years, Florida is going to be underwater. And I says, that the rate it's raising, I don't think we have a problem on a quarter inch every 10 years. I figured 120 years, we're going to have three quarters of an inch. And I'm, I'm 65. I started putting all that together, and I don't think I got a problem. But, the, uh, uh, but he is absolutely convinced that our coastal areas of our country are going to be underwater. And he is honestly alarmed. And what he can't understand, because he used to be at least called an evangelical Christian. And he says, You evangelical Christians are in denial of climate change. He says, Almost categorically. By the way, that is true. People who believe the Bible, in vast majority, deny climate change, global warming, or man made. I mean, to it this way man made climate change. In other words, we deny that man has anything to do with the changes that are going on. We have nothing to do with tornadoes. We have nothing to do with hurricanes. We have nothing to do with sea rising or sea receding. We have nothing to do with temperature change in the ocean. We have nothing to do with the melting of the glaciers or the adding of the glaciers. This is what we're coming across as. We as humans have nothing to do with that. God has been directing that and been taking care of that. And if even further proof about that one old boy on YouTube said, you can ask any liberal and ask him if there's been ice ages, and he will tell you with absolute confirmation there's been two ice ages, maybe four, but they know there's been two ice ages. I don't know how they know that, but they think they know that. And one guy said, well, how do you get an ice age? He says, well, the planet's got to get real cold. He said, okay, so we, we agree that the planet got cold at least twice, real cold, to where the ice came all over most of the planet. And he says, well, how did that ice ever melt? And it was quiet. He said, well, the planet's got to get hot. And he said, well, how did it get hot? There wasn't any man, and there was no industry. There was no farting cows, or <laughs> there was no factories, and yet all that ice melted. That means there has been fluctuation, in dramatic fluctuation in temperature. This, if I don't even, I'm not even sure I believe that there was an ice age. Okay, I don't even know if I believe. Maybe after the flood, uh, the ice formed on the north and the south. If you believe in the canopy theory, and it is a theory, you don't have to be a Christian on all of this, you want to believe it or don't believe it, that's fine with me. But if there was a canopy before the flood and all the earth was about the same temperature, and after the flood, the fountains of the of of the sky broke, you know, came down. So there was something went on there that we don't quite understand. But the waters above and the waters below and the whole thing changed. There was radical, would you agree the flood, there was radical change. There was radical change in this whole world. Radical. And so that changed the climate. And the climate, maybe that was when the ice age those they had, when it melted out. It had to get warm to melt the ice. So if you get confronted by one of those folks, you just bring them up to the question. Do you believe there's an ice age? Yes. Well, how did it come? It got cold. How did it go away? It got hot. Well, if it got hot without man, maybe it's getting hot again without man. And we have nothing to do with it. I don't know. But I can tell you that it's not new to the Bible. Going back to about the first century, here In the book of Acts, Agabus signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth, but not local, not local dearth, not dearth meaning a famine. But to get a famine, you got to have what? You have climate change, you have some sort of a withholding of the rain, or too much rain, one or the other. You either got too much rain, or you got a temperature change. Somehow, you're not able to grow crops like you used to. By the way. The wind that just happened—I believe it. There was oranges on the trees, little green oranges on the trees, little green grapefruit on the trees. I think after that wind, there's not so many grapefruit on those trees anymore, not so many oranges. I think it changes your whole uh, harvest. Uh, I know my mangoes shot. My mangoes are shot. I mean, my tree went over, the whole thing, and I don't think anybody's got hardly any mangoes left. So the harvest this year is going to be lean when it comes to oranges and, and all these lemons and other things that were blowing off of the trees. So weather can create, and usually would create, lack of rain especially, a great dearth. But it's interesting, he says, throughout all the world there in Acts 11:28. 28. So that happened back then. And that was before the Industrial Age, many, many centuries before any CO2. By the way, CO2... Uh, is a good thing, not a bad thing. They've tried to make it a pollutant. It's not a pollutant. It's a natural product. It is what feeds plants. Plants have to have it to to feed and to do well. And so if you get a little bit more of it, you're going to get a little bit more growing of plants. A little bit more growing of plants could be beneficial instead of harmful. That's the thought out there. In Elisha's day, in the Old Testament, there was some sort of a climate change, uh, in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 38, and Elisha came again to Gilgal, and there was a dearth in the land, and the sons of the prophets were sitting among him. So it records some sort of a dearth, a uh, change or something that had happened back in Elisha's day that was serious. Again, the time of, of think of Joseph and Egypt, Joseph and Egypt. Um, there was, that was a wide-ranging climate change that happened in Genesis chapter 41, verse 29 29- 31. behold there come seven years Joseph's in interpreting Pharaoh's dream there would come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. Now that means the climate was favorable. It's got to be favorable to have big old big old crops. you know you got to get remember they didn't have they didn't have these things that go around a big circle and and water everything like out west you see them all over the place where they almost make the desert bloom again. But they just had they had trenches from rivers, and and they had to have rain. So he says, for seven years, you're going to get, and it's not spoken there, but you can assume this, you're going to get favorable climate. You're going to get favorable weather. You're going to get rain when it's due. You're going to get the sun when it's due. You're going to get everything when it's due. And he tells these people of, of Egypt, you're going to get tremendous crops. And there shall rise after that seven years of famine. Now. <clears throat> seven years is a long time. I mean, even for you 80-year-olds, seven years is a long time. I mean, seven years is a long time. If I told you that we were going to have a drought in Florida here for seven years, what would this place look like? It would just be sand. You know, you take away the water from this place and the green goes away and all you got is sand. This place, we've had some droughts. I've been here for almost 40 years. We've had some droughts that this thing browned out. I remember one year in 83, it got so cold uh, that I had icicles that big around hanging off of my roof all the way to the ground, clear as crystal, because they froze just, you know, slowly. You could look through them. They were beautiful. All my orange trees and all of my stuff just browned out. I mean, my grass was absolutely brown. Everywhere in my neighborhood, remember, does anybody remember 83? Two of us? You remember? Three of us? We got three of us? Where were the rest of you people in 1983? That's what I want to know. Okay. Uh, but in, in, you're just going to have trust me on that then. We got three witnesses. Uh, and again, in the days of, in uh, seven years of dirt shall come, in, in Genesis 41, 54, according to Joseph had said, and the dirt was in all lands. So I know what you were thinking. You're saying, well, that was just a localized problem that Joseph well, he, he concentrated on Egypt because he's standing before Pharaoh. But here in, in 4154 of Genesis, he said this dirt was in all lands uh, uh, and in also the land of Egypt, but there was no bread. So again, in the days of Elijah, the days of Elisha, remember Elijah, three and a half years, no rain. Uh, God gave him that. He didn't do that on his own. He, he did that in James chapter 5, verse seventeen eighteen says... Elias was a man of subject to like passions as we are. He prayed earnestly that he might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by space of three years and six months. Ooh, doggies. That's a long time. No rain? And he prayed again, and heaven rained, and earth brought forth her fruit. Well, first of all, it tells me weather's in the absolute control of God. I believe God brought Irma, and I believe God directed Irma exactly where it should go. Right now, God has formed Maria, another nice woman's name, and it's going to go exactly where God wants that thing to go. And there's another two or three out there that are forming, and every one of them is of God. In 205, how many were here in 205, Regent? 205. Well, there's a little bit more there. In 205, four hurricanes went across Florida, four of them. They crisscrossed us like this. Charlie. What was it, it? Charlie Wilma? And then there was two from the other side. I went across Florida, and I mean, we. And then, then the uh, meteorologists got on the news and encouraged us. This is the new pattern for the next ten years. All I can say is I'm sure glad they were wrong. How about you? Woo! I mean, people started coming up to me from the church and from up north and said, "We're selling out and moving. We are not going to live in a place that has these kind of hurricanes year after year." And we, I thought, well, we're going to be cutting about half. Uh, half our winter population is going to sell out and go. I said, where are you going? They said, we're going to Arizona. And I said, well, it will probably have a drought and heat out there, cook you guys out. <laughs> well, then we'll go to California. Yeah, you'll have an earthquake and you'll fall into the ocean. <laughs> uh, going back to New-, New Hampshire. Well, go ahead. Sandy will get you. How many have seen a rainbow lately? Don't forget that God put the rainbow there. My cousin is so, so, he says, the world's going, we're going to flood. I said, brother, we're not going to flood. We're not going to flood. Uh, we could have some rising water here, there, and yon. You can have local floods. I don't deny that happened. Mississippi, if you live by the Mississippi, you're going to get flooded. You live by the Ohio, you're going to get flooded. You live by the Missouri River, you're going to get flooded. I'll guarantee you within time it's going to flood. You live in Florida, I will guarantee you a hurricane is going to hit you sooner or later. Welcome to Florida. From Virginia, welcome. Uh, I guarantee, I'll guarantee, I'll, I'll put my name down on a piece of paper and guarantee you that one time, if, if sooner or later, a tornado up in Indiana is going to come by your house. It'll kill, those will kill you in the night, brother. No warning. Very little or no warning. I lived through the twin tornadoes. You remember that, Brother Bill? The twin tornadoes. Palm Sunday, that thing. Didn't respect even Palm Sunday. Twin tornadoes came up there and Side by side, them tornadoes worked their way through the area where we live, and 100 people were killed in a matter of a couple hours. There was 100 homes destroyed in one subdivision. They were leveled to the foundation. There was nothing left but just pieces of garbage. And I mean, that's a tornado. You tell me about hurricanes. Well, I'll tell you about tornadoes. So you're not going to live in a place that's a, oh, I love this, a safe place. But I remember Genesis chapter 9, verse 12 through 16. God said, there was a to- uh, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature is on you, a per- perpetual for all generations. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a token for a covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bow the, uh, shall, shall be seen in the, in the cloud, and I will remember my covenant which is between me and you and every living thing of all flesh, and the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. I realize that's talking about worldwide destruction. And I realize that climate change people are not really talking about worldwide destruction. They're just talking about rising waters that will destroy the coastlands, etc. Uh, the future of the world's population is not in the hand. The future of the world's uh, health is not in the hands of men. This is where I really heavily disagree. I think it's in the hand of God. I think that the weather in this old place is in the hand of God. And to prove that, we have more satellites, more science than we've ever. We have more computer modeling than we've ever had before. Where'd the hurricane hit? It's going to hit Miami, 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 Miami. Get ready. So people from Miami evacuated from Miami over here. They got in motels over here, Fort Myers Beach. Had was full of people by Miami. They had to kick them off of Miami and say, "You got to go back to Miami because it's coming here." So, as good as these people's equipment is and everything else, the truth still is they can't predict where that thing's going. I mean, they're they're better than they used to be, okay, but even they admit that that they have very little. They they, they really it's just too far away and never know what it's going to do. And they'll say it's going to be a force three and. It turns, just before it lands, it turns into a, like a force four, force five. That happened to Andrew, by the way. Andrew that says was going to be a force three. Ended up being a, well, the weather thing broke at 235 mile an hour. So that, Andrew was a whole lot stronger. It got stronger just before it hit the shore. And they said, oh, three, maybe four, but not five. But it was five. And so, they struggle, and because men do struggle with the weather, and I think God's made it that way to show Himself strong. But this worldwide flooding is not going to occur. Uh, you're not going to have all the glaciers melt and flood the world and do all that. I think God's got that squared away. But there's coming a day. if I may say this, there is coming a day. There is coming a day of massive climate change, as a sign uh, in the book in, in the Bible, Second Peter, chapter three, verse ten through fourteen says this, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. That's got to be big. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Elements. You look the word up. That's your base elements. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. I call that the ultimate global warming. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, And I love this statement Peter makes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. What manner of persons ought ye to be? What does all this tell me? That this old world is not my home. It's temporary at best. Amen? It's not just temporary that I live on it and I'm going to die. It's temporary as an existence. There will be a time when this old world is gone. When When the heavens that we look in are gone. And God will present us, the born again and part of his kingdom, with a brand new earth and a brand new set of heavens that aren't going to be like this old earth and old heaven. It says, looking for, verse 12 there, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved. You know, that I just was watching about when they exploded the first atomic bomb. Offenhe uh, Offenheimer was his Oppenheimer. He you know what is one of his major concerns was that by exploding that they would somehow create a chain reaction of the atmosphere would start on fire and the whole world would be destroyed. Now you'd think prudently they wouldn't have pulled the trigger on that if they had that, <laughs> but they pulled it and said, let's just go for it. And they pulled the trigger on that thing. And then that wasn't enough. They built a hydrogen, thermonuclear, bigger, badder than the, okay, they didn't light the atmospheres up with the atomic. Let's try a bigger one. And then Russia, a while back, the mother of all bombs, they they exploded the largest atomic explosion on Earth. And it was half as big as they were going to do because the scientists didn't know what They were afraid of what would happen to the atmosphere if they exploded it. And I saw a picture, you know, showed the explosion. It was unbelievable massive, just massive. the atmosphere didn't catch on fire, hallelujah. But someday it will, someday it will, and the elements will burn with fervent heat. Nevertheless, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent, ye be found in him in peace, without spot and blameless. Man, these things that are coming upon the earth, that are going to come upon the earth, should cause us to live a holy, honest life with, for God, a clean life. Jesus in the gospel. Take your Bibles specifically to this place in Luke chapter 21. And verse 11, I'm not going to read them all, but verses 11 through 26. 21, 11 through 26, warns of a day of massive changes that's coming on and going to be part of this old earth. Luke 21, 11, there there shall be great earthquakes and shall uh, shall be in diverse places and famines and pestilences. This is before the second coming of Christ. And fearful sights and great signs shall be there from heaven. Fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. In verse 25, and there shall be signs in the sun. What? What? Signs in the sun. And in the moon. What kind of signs would you have in the moon? And in the stars. What kind of signs would you have in the stars? Meteorites? You know, what, what kind of, what, what would that be? Signs in the stars, so so. Let's go review this. You're going to have signs in the sun. Interesting, magnetic pulses. Who knows in the moon? What's going to happen in the moon? In the stars, and upon the earth, the stress of nations. Now, I'll be honest with you. The global warming crowd, they're stressed out. They think Trump is going to destroy the world. First of all, Trump don't have the power to destroy the world. They believe by his going back to coal, going back to using coal as an energy source, and by promoting fossil fuel, oil, that we literally are. Con- I'm, I'm listening to him. I'm listening to him. On credible networks, say this man single-handedly is going to destroy our planet. He is going to condemn us all to flooding and death and global, and they go, their scenario is pretty interesting. You couldn't write uh, a a movie with any bigger script. And and so, but you go to the Bible. What's the Bible say? Well, the Bible does say there's coming a time. It does say. Jesus says it. It'll be a distress of nations, uh, but with perplexity. Now, listen to this. The sea is involved in it the sea and the waves roaring. And look at verse 26. When this happens, men's hearts failing them for fear. Why? For looking after those things which are coming on the earth. For the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Now, I believe there's a time, I believe this describes in the tribulation period, when those 21 plagues are released from God, by God, those 21 plagues are punitive. I want you to understand something. You know the difference between punitive judgment and corrective judgment. In other words, if I want to correct you, I judge you in a way that will will teach you not to do that again and and make you a better person. But if I, if I give you punitive judgment, I'm just punishing you for what you did without hope of correction. When a guy murders somebody in cold blood and they put him away for life, They're not trying to reform him. You with me? They're just punitively judging him for taking somebody's life. Now, if they'd follow the Bible, it'd be eye for eye and tooth for tooth. If he kills somebody by shooting them, then they would take him out and shoot him. If he kills somebody by slitting their throat, they would take him out and slit his throat. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And that would detour other people that see it from doing it. Because if I knew that if I knocked your teeth out, that I was going to be uh, hands behind my back and some guy was going to knock my teeth out, it would it would cause me to think about it a little bit. What about you? But well, that's Bible's way. That's what it means by eye for eye and tooth for tooth and, and uh, uh, life for life. If I knew that when I took a person's life that the government, the system of government was going to take me and take my life, it would change the way I acted. Right? I mean, it makes sense. It makes sense. The tribulation period, the 21 judgments that are listed in the in the book of Revelation, are 21 punitive judgments. God already knows those folks ain't getting right. In fact, He describes when those judgments are going on, those people take their fists in their misery and in their suffering, because there will be global warming during the tribulation period. In fact, the earth's gonna get so hot, it's gonna get so hot, it's gonna be unbearable. And and they're gonna shake their fist at God and curse him. They're not gonna repent. It says they don't repent of their murders and their 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 and it lists a whole bunch of sins there. Uh, don't they don't repent of their sin. What they should do is say, God have mercy on our souls, forgive us of our sins and our wickednesses. Uh They've gone so far down the road. They're never gonna. They're not gonna do that. And so the tribulation period, and, and what's described here in Luke 21 as well as Matthew 24, is the things that are going to come upon this earth that are. Where are they coming from? They're not coming from man. These things are not coming on this earth. It's never never indicated at all in the passage 20, uh, in the passage of the Bible, Luke 21 or Matthew 24. None of these things are created by man's activity. All of these things are created by God's activity. These are created because God himself is judging this world for their iniquity, for their transgressions, for their sins, for their hardness of heart, and ultimately for their rejection of Jesus Christ and crucifixion of the Son of God. And so he's He's, he's causing... I'm going to say this. When God does something, he does it big, doesn't he? If you stood out I was out on my porch on Lee side when that, when that we caught the northeast corner of the eye. And they always say the northeast corner of the eye is strong. But I can tell you what, for 30 minutes, it was wild. Vertical whiteout. Trees go breaking, cracking, noise going. I mean, just a roar of that thing. It sounded like a freight train going by. And I got thinking, I want to sing, How Great Thou Art. How great thou art. God, you are a great God. You can humble us in just a heartbeat, just easy for you to humble us. All of our big structures and all that can be gone in just a matter of 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Of and He didn't do it. He had mercy. He didn't do it. He didn't, if he have sent 200-plus miles an hour, we would not be in this building tonight. These, this roof would be gone, and that roof would be gone, and that roof would be gone, and water would have come in here and destroyed all of this. And we'd be, and the, I'm not even sure that that gym will stand up. Even though it, they only rate that gym at 170, and it's brand new, they don't build structures hardly 200 mile an hour structures. And so uh, we may, we may, we may have come back here to total devastation. All your homes destroyed, none of them habitable. Where are we going to go? Well, that'd be a life changer, wouldn't it? But you know, Christians, we, our hearts would not be failing us for fear. Even if that happened, our hearts would not be failing us for fear. We would give credit to whom credit's due. God wants to do something big through this, this trouble. And this is another opportunity for us to be Christians. Even though I'm out of my house, even though I'm out of my place, God's going to do something. And I'm just excited at what he's gonna, how he's going to use this storm and what he's going to do. But, brother, in the judgments of the tribulation period, which is described here in Luke 21 and as well as Matthew 24, he is not trying to convert those folks. He is showing them that they need to fear God. The Bible says men's hearts will be failing them for fear, looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And in verse 36, it says, Watch ye therefore, praying always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to the pass and stand before the Son of Man. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10, especially 10 through 11, he promises the church there, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all, how much of the earth? All the earth, to try them to dwell upon the earth. So there's coming a time of massive, worldwide climate change. But not just climate change. Sun, moon, stars, meteors. You know, they make these movies about these meteors impacting Earth. I wonder where they get that. Where do they get it? Well, something's going to happen. What if today the Hubble telescope looked out there and there was a big old meteor on its way to Earth, dead center hit? People be Without Christ, brother, where's your what are you, your hopes? This world, what are you going to do? I don't think Christians would panic. I think we'd sing "Blessed Assurance," Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine! I think we'd sing, "This world's not my home. I'm just a passing through." Maybe a little sooner than I thought. I, I think I think we'd repent for putting our marbles in this basket too much not putting our marbles in that basket. I think we would we would, we would soul-search at why we didn't consider spiritual things more important and why we didn't read our Bible more and why we didn't see God's face more. Oh, I think it would do that. He says, Pray that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things and stand before the Son of Man. There's an hour of temptation coming to try them that dwell upon the earth. He says, Behold, I come quickly. hold, Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take that crown. God will bring worldwide climate change, but it will not be caused by man. Man wants to feel. Here's what the base of all this is. Man wants to feel that he's got power. I'm talking about worldwide power. But he doesn't. He doesn't have the power he thinks he's got. God is in control of this whole world, even to the amount of hair on your head, Uh, even to the sparrow that falls. It is caused and is controlled and is moved by God and Him directly, and we can rest in His love. Luke 21, 18 through 19 says, There shall not a hair on your head perish. This is that same chapter, by the way. It talks about men's hearts failing them for fear. He says, not a hair on your head shall perish. In your, pose- in your patience, possess your souls. Trust God. Trust God. Now, we can agree to disagree on all, all that kind of stuff, whether, whether it is. But one thing I'm, I think we got to agree on, that God's in control of this whole thing. And he's going to take care of us. And it, uh, uh, there have been climate change before. There's going to be climate change now. And there's going to be climate change in the future. But I don't see, biblically, that it's a new thought. I don't see that it's a new thing. I see that it was there before, going all the way back to Joseph, which is probably around 1400, 1200 B.C. I can't, I'm going to get, no, no, it's got to be, well, a long time ago. And our God is a consuming fire. Our God's a consuming fire. He's going have you read lately about Mount Sinai, how he was on Mount Sinai? And Mount Sinai said it, it, it had a consuming fire upon it, a fire. Now, you know what a consuming fire looks like? You do. You, every one of you do. If you've ever started a fire and that thing is roaring, have you ever heard the roar of a fire? Fire makes sound. Fire makes sound. You get a real fire going, it makes a sound. It makes a roar. That we would consider a consuming fire. The Bible uh, describes God as a consuming fire. Our God is a great God. He's going to take care of us. Uh, he's He's going to He's going to work it out. See, some of our young people get scared by this. They They get scared. Like, man, this thing. I don't know. All these credible people. Uh, you can look and if you want to, as I said, go on YouTube and find all the information you want to find out on both sides. I'll tell you what. You'll find out. But I think I think you're going to find that these people. That have been paid to do the research have come up with a conclusion that they've been paid to come up with. That's my idea, at least from what I've been able to read. And uh, real science, let me ask you this question is evolution science? No. But do they call it science? Absolutely, they call it science. In fact, you're not credible as a scientist, but yet there's no science in evolution, it's never been witnessed, it's never been tested. You're a scientist. You have to test something to be science. You have to. There's no politics There should be no politics with science. Science is not up for a vote. Either it is or it isn't. You got evidence. You got you got testing and viable evidence, and this is what it says. And whenever all the scientists look at it, they say that's what it says. Oh, we can trust in the Lord with all our heart. I hope you have peace that passes all understanding. Now, you may be out of your home like Paul. You may be out of your home like Frank Grail. You're in a hard moment. It's a hard thing to handle. Why did God do it? i tell you what, I don't have answers for that. But I know this, the God that did it is going to help you through it. He's going to help you through it. And you may end up better off in the end than you were before. I know I got a lot of brick brag. I got a lot of knick-knack. I got a lot of junk I probably should have gotten rid of years ago. I figure if God just tore all my stuff down, he's just helping me get rid of that stuff that I couldn't bring myself to get rid of. Amen. And my wife's stuff. A little sore spot there. But uh, all that stuff that these people hoard. Why are we hoarders? Why do we do that? You know, you need a whole house fire every 10 years. I just, I just, you know, if you had a whole house fire every 10 years, it would be a lot easier to move around. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you that we can have peace, man. In the midst of the trouble, even, we can have peace. Thank you for all those people all over the country who've donated their money and who've sent down water and sent down uh, food and diapers and gas, every kind of thing, gas containers. We pray, Father, that you'd just help us to help others as we are being helped right now. Help us to be generous now like uh, we are being given these things. Pray, Father, that you'd help us to to love you, to trust in you, to put our faith in you, and not to put all our marbles on this old world. Because you said this old world is going to burn up. It it isn't going to last. You've already told us ahead of time. So help us to trust in that which will last, that which thieves will not break in. And steel, moth, and dust will not come in, rust come in and corrupt. If there's one in this group tonight, say, Brother Bill, I've been I've been struggling and not really giving God the proper amount of respect or the proper amount of my time. Oh dear one, give him your life, give him your time. Dedicate yourself to Jesus. May it be so. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.